This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday, January the 18th and we start with news that three men are facing jail following a stabbing outside a troubled snooker club in Maidstone. Paul Hooper has been following the case for us at Maidstone Crown Court. Firstly, Paul, where did this attack happen? Well, it was on Lower Stone Street outside the Centre Club in July last year. The court heard how the two groups had clashed in the early hours after leaving the club. The prosecutor had revealed the groups had met each other inside, didn't know each other prior to the attack, and there'd been no issues between them until that moment. But then the club closed its doors at 3am and they found themselves on the street and that's when the violence broke out. And CCTV footage was shown to the jury, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. In the footage, Paul Ojo can be seen threatening victim William Lakeman with a knife. He's later seen swinging the blade, which resulted in the 18-year-old being stabbed several times and was also kicked in the head by another man, Quinton Nelson, who was also there. Mr Lakeman was rushed to hospital in London by helicopter and underwent emergency surgery. Ojo and Nelson were later arrested in Gillingham, but they claimed they were acting self-defence. But the jury rejected their accounts and found them both guilty of the very serious offence. So what's happened in court today, Paul? Now Ojo from Barnfield Road in Orpington, and Nelson, who's also 22, from Albany Road in Campbellwell, are guilty of causing grievous bodily harm with intent, and also for possessing a knife. A third man, who had admitted having a knife prior to the trial, will be sentenced with them together next month. Paul, thanks ever so much. And back in October, we reported how Century Club had been slapped with strict operating conditions following the incident and others. Kent Online News. Some business news for you now. And this is one of our most read stories today. The people in charge of an escape room in Chatham say its future is looking bleak due to the impact of COVID. Owners of Escape Plan Live at Sumpier House say bookings are down about 80% and they could be forced to close if things don't improve soon. They're due to renew their lease in March but need trade to pick up so they can stay open. Well, you can read the full interview with Ross Friday and his wife Sandra on the website. Moving to Canterbury and it's been revealed a new retail and entertainment enterprise planned for the empty Debenham store there is now highly unlikely to happen. The company behind the idea has reportedly run into financial difficulties meaning another tenant may have to be found for the site. It's been described as disappointing and another blow for the city's high street. Unemployment stats are also out today and show the number of people out of work in Kent has gone down again. It dropped by 850 in December as the county continues to recover from the pandemic. 47,750 people were claiming unemployment benefits last month. That's about 4.4% of the county's population. However, there are concerns about a shortage of skilled workers in Kent. Experts say many people who are trained in things like agriculture, construction, engineering and science are leaving the county for higher pay elsewhere.
Now, there's more reaction today to news that we first brought you yesterday that the Navy is going to be drafted in to try and stop asylum seekers crossing the Channel to Kent in small boats. More than 28,000 people made the dangerous journey last year and the Home Secretary now wants the military to get involved. Refugee charities, though, say safe routes need to be made available instead. We've been getting reaction from Mike Tapp, who's a former military intelligence officer who now lives in Tunbridge Wells. He's been speaking to our political editor, Paul Francis. It doesn't make any difference having the Navy out there. Um, and it certainly wouldn't make any difference if if this Conservative government were funding the border force properly and funding the police properly, funding the National Crime Agency properly, so that they could actually get ahead of the game and, and take effective actions against the crime groups. Um, all we've seen from the Conservatives is gimmicks, uh, and a hollow policy that doesn't actually make any difference. And it's frustrating. Um, I think it's frustrating for, for the military getting sucked into this political game. It's frustrating for the, the Borders Agency, for the National Crime Agency, uh, and also for voters who've, who've put their faith in this administration to sort this problem out, and they're, they're clearly not. But wouldn't the Navy free up time and resources for the border force the border agency and these other agencies to do what you want which is to tackle the criminal gangs at source it puts more boats out there to to help rescue and um, because that's what they should be doing that's what i'd hope they'd be doing because i, I doubt they're going to bear arms on these desperate individuals trying to get to safety and i, I hope they wouldn't um, but really it's just it demonstrates gaps in funding um, and we see it with the nhs the, the moment they start to get into dire straits and they're struggling. They bring in the military. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing here. Um, and, it, you know, the, the way around it is to, to have a sensible approach um, and, and start funding the organisations properly to, to deal with this. Uh, well, talking of different approaches, you've outlined your own uh, template or uh, set of proposals that you feel could address the problem. Well, the, the, there isn't any safe routes. Um, we're not seeing it happen, which is why we're seeing thousands of desperate individuals putting themselves at risk trying to cross the channel. Um, you know, we've seen an increase, uh, I think, three times as many over the last year. Um, and Safe Routes is a, is a sensible option where, um, you know, we take control in northern France, bring them over, put them in sensible, safe, decent accommodation, and then process their applications quickly within six months. At the moment, it's taken two years. The whole system is broken. Um, and then at the same time, if we were to fund the National Borders, um, the, the Borders Agency, the National Crime Agency, and the police properly, then they'd have the, the facilities to get ahead of the game and start combating the crime group. And number 10 policy bosses have also explored the controversial use of powerful sonic weapons to force asylum seekers to turn around in the channel. The devices were originally bought to use as loudspeakers during the 2012 Olympic Games in London, but can emit a noise powerful enough to cause vomiting. It's understood the Home Office turned down the suggestion, though, after senior figures suggested the plan would not work. The Kent Online Podcast with Ball in Maidstone.
It's emerged a man who died in house fire near Maidstone had gone back inside the building to try and tackle the flames. 75-year-old Trevor Hales was killed by carbon monoxide poisoning after breathing in smoke at the property on Ivy Mill Lane in Tovel last October. An inquest has heard the blaze started accidentally because of a log burner. His partner managed to get out safely. Officers searching for a man missing from Maidstone say they found a body. 57-year-old Steve White disappeared from the Shepway area of town last Thursday. Police made the discovery near the Downswood area during searches overnight. We're told the death is not being treated as suspicious. Four suspected drug dealers, including a 16-year-old girl, have been arrested after officers found five bags full of cannabis inside a car in Ramsgate. Police discovered a kilo in each bag, along with more in backpacks and a holdall, when they searched the vehicle in Conningham Close on Sunday night. Two men and a woman are also in custody. Some politicians in Kent have welcomed calls to reform the BBC and how it's funded. The licence fee is going to be frozen at £159 for the next two years. The corporation says that will lead to tougher choices that'll affect viewers, but the government reckons it'll help keep costs down for families. The issue was discussed on the lowdown on our Facebook Live last night. Joining Ollie were Dartford Council leader Jeremy Kite and Patrick Lowline from One Nation Grassroots. Let's hear some of what they had to say. I don't actually have an anti-BBC bias. I, don't, I actually, I'm a big fan of the BBC, but I think there's a difference between something being good value and it being kind of compulsory, you know? And I think one of the problems the BBC has got now is that uh, there are so many other channels. And if, uh, I was thinking this afternoon, since I knew I was coming on the programme, if someone today said that there should be a tax funder, taxpayer-funded national newspaper every day, we would all go mad. We'd say, no, 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 you can't do that. There's plenty of other newspapers around. Now, when the BBC began, of course, it was it was on its own. There was a big strategic role for it. I think the problem now, there are so many other channels. It's really a question of whether something should be compulsory when there are other opportunities, you know? I used to work in Asia for a long time, um, politically, um, and... There's so many countries really there where activists I was working with in authoritarian governments and how they viewed the BBC. And I think that's something that really can't be, you know, underestimated is this soft power. It's much bigger value than any royal yachts or anything like that. It really gives people across the world of this great image of Britain. And so I think the World Service, even though it's something we, we don't watch in the UK, I think that's something that really has to be value valued. Um, and I think it's good to have a debate about um, the licence fee and the future of the BBC in general. As Nadine Doris said, you know, it's it was set up a very long time ago. Uh, we've now got streaming and so on. My kids don't watch it. Of course, if they were younger, I would see the values of the CBBs and the CBBC. They used to love all of that. Uh, and it was really great having that. But I think we need a discussion because there does seem to be a large, very large number of channels. Um, and I... And I also question how, you know, what, what impact that has. For example, we're, we're here on, um, you know, Kent Online. You know, that's, uh, I mean, there's BBC Radio Kent and there's also the BBC Southeast TV channels. But here you've got, you know, I think Kent Online provides a very good service uh, as does the KM radio station and uh, the KMTV TV station. Uh, and I mean, that's also the kind of question I think we should be asking. You know, is it holding back the development of... Um, you know, other initiatives, um, you know, it's not to say I don't value um, the Radio Kent and the BBC Southeast politics, in particular the show on Saturday, on Sundays, you know, I think that's quite useful having that on streamed out, you know, on the main channel, you know, across the country. 
and it helps to also reinforce that sense of the union, you know, that way we have. Um, so I think we need to debate, but then, you know, uh, look at this license fee, which is excessively high. I think you can't just cut it down to, you know, saying, oh, I only watch this, so I want to have selectively as that. I mean, it's a bit, you know, I don't think that will work. In the end, it has to even out, as it does right now. Yeah, I mean, and you make some, I would just want to say, um, you know, Patrick wasn't asked to, to say that Kent Online provides a good service. I just want to add that in. I um, <laughs> yes. appreciate you saying it nonetheless. In a Kent Online poll on Twitter, we asked if the BBC provided good value for money. 41% of you said yes, they did, while 58% said no. It can still get involved by commenting on our socials. Kent Online reports. It's thought three parking machines have been stolen for their cash in Maidstone. The council say they were ripped from the ground two in Moat Park and one on College Road Car Park. Officials are working to reinstall the machines and considering increasing security measures. A new clinical trials unit is being set up at the Kent Hospital so people can test new medication. The specialist site at the QEQM in Margate is due to open in the spring. It's the first one of its kind in the county and means people will no longer have to travel to London to take part in research trials. New research out today has revealed the speed camera hotspots in Kent there are 84 of them dotted around the county, which is the eighth highest number in the UK. Now, Kent has also recorded the fifth highest speed with one driver caught going at 157 miles per hour. The camera that recorded the most offences, maybe unsurprisingly, was at the Dartford Crossing. It's claimed a project to knock down and rebuild a leisure centre in Medway has been poorly handled. Demolition work started at Splashes in Raynham last week, with the site due to be replaced with a new £15 million facility. But the local Labour group have criticised redundancies and the lack of community involvement in the plans. Councillor Howard Doe is in charge of leisure at Medway Council. He says it'll provide a great opportunity for young people to learn vital skills, though. What this offers a community, actually, is a chance, first of all, for for children to become acclimatised to water and know how to use it sensibly. We know that there's a lot of, uh, or a number of child deaths every year because people don't swim or they go and do silly things, you know. Equally, I think it's going to provide some uh, decent dance facilities here. So it's a really active investment in the health of, of, of the area. I passionately believe in this project as being a really good use of, our, of money. Um, I don't spend the sort of money we're spending here lightly but I think it's a really good investment and it's an investment which, although it is a large sum, will actually be here uh, probably a lot longer than I am. Vince Maple is leader of the Medway Labour Group. This has been a project which has been pretty poorly handled by the administration so far. The budget is clearly going to massively increase. Splashes was a, a well-used, much-loved community facility. Uh, if we're looking to replace it, not like for like, but with something quite different, it's only going to have the support of the community if they're involved in the creation of the, the new facility, whatever that looks like. So we need to see we need to see much clearer information on how the public will be involved in the creation of this project. Dover has been named as the third least wasteful town in the country. Data shows the area generates one of the lowest amounts of household rubbish with about 305 kilos per person per year. The town also has the seventh highest recycling rate and has seen a drop in fly tipping. A park in Kent is getting a bench inspired by Ricky Gervais's 
Afterlife. Netflix is donating 25 of them to councils across the country to give people a place to sit, reflect and share. Our one will be at Victoria Park in Ashford. Now, the third and final series of the drama about a man grieving following the death of his wife is out now. And Ricky says he never expected it to have more than one season. Everything I approach, I do a a series. And I make sure that it could be standalone. If the network or the broadcaster didn't want it anymore or they ran out of money or no one liked it or I get hit by a bus, I make sure that it could be that. And I said to Netflix, I'll do a third season if it's a wanted encore. And finally today, Kent MP is asking for help to find her son's missing teddy bear. Chatham and Ellsford rep Tracy Crouch says she takes it with her on work trips, but it recently got lost in London. She started a Twitter trend, hashtag find cuddles. You can see a picture of the bear at Kent Online. Kent Online Sport. Tennis and Emma Rajikanu has made a winning start to her debut at the Australian Open. The US Open champion from Bromley beat former world number three Sloane Stephens 6-love 2-6-6-1 in Melbourne. And an update on skier Millie Knight, who we mentioned in yesterday's podcast after she won bronze at the World Power Snow Sports Championships, where the 23-year-old has now added gold to her tally at Lillehammer in Norway after winning the Super Combined with guide Brett Wilde. This is the last major competition for the pair before the Winter Paralympics get underway in China in March. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by subscribing. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe and watch it on Kent Online today. You can have a look around the most expensive house on the Isle of Sheppey. I'll be back with the podcast tomorrow. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.